I'm going to say that. I'm going to say, beam me up, Jesus. <laughs> I'm not going with Scotty. I'm going to go all the way. <laughs> um, okay. We only have a couple of announcements tonight. We're going to start making it a little bit less complicated on Sunday night because the preacher got on to me this morning for taking too much of his time. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> this, there's a difference between lying and joking. So I'm in church. I'm not lying. I'm joking. <laughs> no, no he, he really didn't. But uh, all, the, all the announcements are on the board. They're in the bulletin. And everybody that's here tonight is normally always here on Sunday morning, so I don't need to repeat everything to y'all. Um, there's only a couple of them that I'm going to bring out, and one is uh, baptism coming up on October 1st. You need to sign up if you want to. Um, that's going to be, I think we have seven or eight signed up already, don't we? Okay, well, we have several, and that's going to be that's going to be a great event for the church. Uh, that's also on Sunday, the first Sunday of every month, we also have uh, communion. My mind went blank on me. So, uh, but and then I want to remind you that next week is going to be a men's breakfast. Going to be heart to hearts coming up. These are all on the board, so there's nothing new about times or dates except for on uh, prime timers on the board. It had fellowship hall. It's actually Catfish Corner. So for for those that didn't catch it this morning, I'll repeat that for you. Catfish Corner meet there at six o'clock, right? Oh. I can't help if I can't read. <laughs> okay, that's an um, announcement that is of great importance to you is we're not going to take offering on Sunday morning, I mean on Sunday night or Wednesday night anymore because we just, I mean, once again, everybody that's here was probably here Sunday morning. And, you know, if we had a full house, we would probably do that. But as far as just taking time to go through the motions, we don't have to do the same old thing that we've always done. We, we can do something different, and we can hope that it works, and if it doesn't work, well, we can do something different from there. So um, I'm going to cut that off. I'm going to give it to Pastor Marcus so they can pray for the service, and then he can turn it over to Julie. Oh, wait a minute. You know I'm joking with this guy. He's a good guy. <laughs> um, to, if you do want to bring any tithes and offerings, you're welcome to. The, the boxes are in, in the foyer there. Just put them in the box. You know, that's between you and the Father. And he says to give cheerfully. So that's between you and Jesus, right? Amen. I want to read a scripture before we get started with worship. Do you have your Bibles real quick? Um, I want to read this scripture. This has been on my heart lately. And it's in the Psalms. So if you uh, turn with me to Psalm 84. There's two scriptures I want to read here tonight. Psalm 84 and Psalm 63. The first one is Psalm 84, and uh, it's a song of the sons of Korah, and they say, how lovely, verse 1, Psalm 84, verse 1, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. That should be our prayer. God, my heart cries out for you. My flesh cries out for you. And then in verse 10, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. What a beautiful scripture. Now Psalm 63, and then we're going to pray. This is one of my favorite psalms. This is song, uh, a psalm of David. 
And this is when he was in the desert of Judah. It says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Now here's the key right here. Look at this. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Who's, the right, who's on the right hand of the Father? Jesus, he upholds us. They who seek my life will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God's name will praise him while the mouths of liars will be silenced. I love this scripture because David is saying, I have seen you in the sanctuary and I have beheld your power and your glory. Guys, Jesus is here right now. Anytime two of them are gathered in his name, he is there in their midst. Would you please stand? Father, we're thankful for your scripture. We're thankful for your words that you've given us to bring encouragement, deliverance, strength, Lord, correction and rebuke. All those things are good for us. Lord, we thank you that in your word it says, like David, Lord, we have beheld your power and your glory in the sanctuary. Pour out your spirit tonight as we honor you and praise you, Jesus, with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And if 
this morning, Father, just draw us closer into your presence, Father. Yes, Lord. Even before there was a drop in the ocean, and even before there was a star in the sky, even before the world was put in motion, you were on your throne. Glory in the highest. 
wherever that is tonight. I believe that can be for all of us, but it's particularly for somebody tonight. And uh, I would just ask you to listen to what God is saying to you tonight, confirming things to your heart. You know, God always confirms His Word and His direction for your life. It says, A righteous man's steps are ordered of the Lord. And it also says, Many are the plans of a man's heart, but God determines his steps. So, you know, yield to God's direction and, and will for your life. And as you do, God will bless and honor you. That's what he's saying. He's, he's telling you to just submit to what he's telling you to do. And so, Father, we, I pray for that individual tonight. And I pray for all of us that we'd be submissive to your will. But specifically for one or two people here tonight that you, you're, you're speaking to personally. And they know it. I pray, Lord, that you'd give them a soft heart. That, Lord, they wouldn't be like Jonah. Instead, Lord, they would be like Paul. And say, yes, Lord. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. You may be seated. You know, I think that's the thing about calling when God begins to lead and direct. You know, we're all called. Um, but there are certain things that God calls each of us to do. And, you know, if, if God's calling you to do something and God's speaking to you, he will confirm it. I believe that God's doing that tonight with somebody. You know who you are. And uh, uh, that's between you and the Lord. What you do with it is your decision. Amen. All right, well, thank you. And I want to, uh, again, say thank you to the, the worship team and uh, to the, the sound booth and the media for do, doing all. Yeah, amen. And all, especially what happened this morning, just, uh, you know, Satan's such, he's a, I wasn't going to say a word I shouldn't have said, but he, he's just a, a pill, isn't he? Yeah. He tries to make things messed up, but God can make things for good. I just was praying this morning. I'm like, oh, really? Why is this happening? And But, you know, God can make what the enemy makes for bad for good. All right, we're in the series called Faith in Motion, Part 7. Uh, we're going to be talking about taming the tongue tonight. How many of us have an issue with the tongue? <laughs> How many of us know somebody that has got an issue with the tongue and we want to tell them? <laughs> so we're going to be looking at James chapter 3. Um, it, there are, we're going to look at the first 12 verses tonight. Uh, we will get into the two kinds of wisdom next Sunday. How many of you guys are enjoying this series on the book of James? You'll find as I, I like to do series on the books of the Bible because we need to know what the Word says. You know, you need to know what's before and afterwards to get the full understanding of the Scripture. So we're in James chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 12 and then we're going to pray. Um, and I've kind of just titled the message tonight, Taming the Tongue. Uh, James chapter 3 verse 1, it says, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that when we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and itself is set on fire by hell. 
All kinds of animals, birds and reptiles and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with, with it, we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine grape bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I just pray as we study this scripture tonight that, Lord, you will give us a better understanding of what it means. Help us to put it into practice. And remind us, Lord, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Father, forgive us for those moments and times in our life, even today or this week, where we have said some things that might not have been good. And not just might, but weren't good. Lord, if it was something of putting somebody down, forgive us. Lord, we're all guilty of doing this. So, Lord, we want to be those vessels that speak those things for building up, not tearing down. God, give us understanding as your vessel. Speak through me tonight, as I can do nothing apart from you. I need you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, James gives a warning of judgment. And he says, Te teachers, take heed. Look at verse 1. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Evidently, James was dealing with people that wanted to teach. The thing is, is listen, God wants all of us to teach somebody. But he's speaking of a vocation, like what I'm doing. Because I'm going to be judged more strictly than you. You know, it's interesting. My wife was watching the message this morning. And she saw the part about servanthood. And she reminded me about that this afternoon when I got a little irritated about having to do something. So we will be judged more strictly with the Lord and even in this life. People are watching us. Look what Luke 12, 48 says. Jesus says this, But someone who does not know and then does something wrong will be punished only lightly. When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. Teachers have been given a lot, and therefore uh, much is going to be required of us. Uh, we, we are to live at a high standard. And, that, and that's just not for me. I think all believers need to live at a high standard, above reproach. But pastors, as I was uh, ministering to a young man recently, and I'm not going to say what it was all about, but trying to bring some correction in some areas, I reminded this individual, if you're called to ministry, you're held at a higher standard than the average person. That's why we got to watch our P's and Q's. I hate to say that, but it's the truth because we're the example of Christ. Now, does that mean we're always going to get it right? No. Are we going to be perfect? No. <laughs> there may be some times there. I'll give you an example. One time we were driving from uh, Walmart back home. This is in Longview. And... Uh, I don't know about you, but this guy cut me off, and he was rude about it. And I'm so thankful for a loving wife that was sitting next to me. I may be a small man, but dynamite comes in small packages. I was a varsity wrestler in high school. I was in the military, so that tr training kicks. And I, <laughs> I started putting a little bit more gas to the pedal. And my wife goes, what are you doing? <laughs> Thankfully, she 
you know, it was enough to get my attention. But much is going to be required of us. Look, look at these words by Moffat. The words of Jesus and James remind us that being among the teachers in God's church is more than a matter of having natural or even spiritual gifts. There is an additional dimension of appropriate character and right living. James found that this department of church work had become extremely, extremely popular. Hence his warning about its serious responsibility. God will judge us on the last day with a special strictness on the account of our influence over others. That's a somber thought to think about that. That one day I'm going to stand before the Lord and, and I'm going to be judged more strictly than you. And so we need to take this seriously if people are listening online. And I keep forgetting about that. i got to remember. I, in, in, in Longview, I had a little camera up here, so I remember that. But there's people that listen online. If, if you're called to ministry, you're held at a higher accountability. And you need to live your life as such. So James is dealing with this very issue. In fact, go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 3. What are the qualifications of a leader? 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. And we can read on with deacons as well, but I want to look at the office of a bishop or teacher. Because in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, He gave some to be apostles and prophets, and, and uh, 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 apostles, prophets, uh, uh, evangelists. Thank you, that's the one I was looking for. Evangelists and pastors and teachers. And if you look at, in that scripture, pastor and teacher are coincide. They work together. And so Paul deals with the office of a bishop or a pastor. And here it is, verse 1. Here is a trustworthy saying. If anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. <clears throat> it doesn't matter how big your congregation is. If you're a pastor, that's a noble task. Right. Whatever assignment God gives you, that's a noble task. Yes. He says... Now, the overseer, or you could put pastor or bishop, must be above what? Reproach. The husband of but one wife. Temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders, so that he will not fall into, into disgrace and into the devil's trap. So here, Paul, we call these the, the pastoral epistles, speaking to Timothy here in chapter 3, gives... Gives the overview for a pastor. Now, when God called me to be a pastor, my two, the two scriptures that scared me most was the one that we read in James and this one right here. And remember, I was mentioning in Believer's Church this morning. I remember going, Lord, I don't want to do this. I know you've called me to do this, but I don't want to do it because I'm going to be held at a higher accountability. And the pastor gets up and he goes, I just want to let you know, I, I, I look at all these and he opens up the Bible and he starts reading. He goes, listen, these are, the, these are the qualifications for a pastor, but I don't do all of them like I should. God's still working on me. So if God's called you, if I make mistakes, you can make mistakes. That's a good thing, right? right. We're not going to have them all uh, down packed. But these are the qualifications of a teacher. 
Now, teachers use what? Our tongues. You use your mouth. Remember, he's focusing on the tongues part. Speaking. Talking. Speech. And so he's dealing with that issue. A lot of people, again, wanted to be teachers in the church. And he's saying, listen, if you want to do this, you better, one, number, make sure it's God. Right. And number two, watch how you live your life. Yeah. Stacy and I were youth pastors at Eastgate Assembly out in Claremore. And we had uh, left the church and we had taken a break. And I was frustrated because I knew God had called me to go full time. And I knew eventually he called me to be a pastor, a senior pastor. But I was angry. I was frustrated. And one morning God said, I want you to go to Believer's Church. And I was attending an Assemblies of God. I was attending Owasso First Assembly. But God said, I want you to go to a Believer's Church. And I went into the service that day. And the, one of the pastors on staff was preaching that day. And he said, the, maybe the very reason why God hasn't called you into ministry yet is because you have some character issues that God has to work on. And if that's you, you need to get down here and repent. And I knew that was the Lord. So God has his perfect timing. When he calls you, he will equip you. But you need to have some character issues that he works on. Some of you guys aren't called to that. That's great. That's all right. But listen, you were all called to something. And everybody's watching us. That's one of my favorite songs from the 80s. Never mind. You probably want to know from the 80s. Somebody's watching you. I'm the only one that got that. But anyways, that brings me to the second. Teachers are called. Let me give you my, I haven't, ever, I haven't shared my calling with you. When I was uh, seven, April 19, 1984, I got saved. My mom led me to the Lord. You guys have heard that story. And I got, uh, my mom was Pentecostal, so she prayed for me to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So the same day I got saved, she prayed. It took about 30 minutes, and then I received my prayer language. got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Started seeing pictures. God can use little kids. I had prophetic words. I saw a lady one day, and she was pregnant. And I said, are you pregnant? And, she, and she, I guess she wasn't. But when I saw her, I saw her pregnant. And I said, you're going to have a baby girl. Well, she ended up having a baby girl. So God can use little kids, and he can call them. So a, a month later, I was still fighting with God. I'd given my life to Jesus, but it was almost like I got saved, and I got worse. <laughs> Mom said I was acting up. And, all, you know, and, and the reason why is God was calling me to ministry, and I was fighting him on it. So it was a Thursday night in the Vineyard Church at that time. It went from 1,300 to 5,000 people because we had revival broke out. Uh, I've shared with you a, a Hispanic lady in our church came in. I don't remember if it was a walker or a wheelchair. I believe it was a wheelchair. She came in paralyzed, and nobody prayed for her, and she stood up, and she started screaming and running around speaking in Spanish and shouting, and we had to have an interpreter, and she got healed. Nobody prayed for her. So... <clears throat> Our church was a large church, and I remember it was a Thursday night. We had church on Thursday nights, not Wednesday nights. And uh, I loved worship. Danny Daniels with the, with the Vineyard in the early years wrote a lot of popular Vineyard songs. And so we would hear them for the first time. And I loved the acoustic guitar, and I would go up and just listen. And I remember coming up, and I remember the sun shining on me. And Vineyard at the, at the time, Vineyard Christian Fellowship in, in uh, Sheridan in Denver there, it's an old liquor store. I love that. God takes an old liquor store, turns it into a vineyard, and it's, you know, you get the idea. And uses that for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But I remember coming in and I said, Lord, I want to be a worship leader like Danny Daniels. 
And the Lord showed me a picture of me in a brown suit with a red goatee. And he said, you're, you're going to be a pastor like Pastor Tom. And I got angry with God. Because there were times I would sit and fall asleep under the chairs with my mom. She would have me stay out in the main service. And I thought it was going to be a boring job. And I said, I don't want to be a pastor, Lord. So I went to kids class that night. My mom had no idea that I was arguing with God. And the Lord told her he is supposed to be in the main service tonight. So one of the teachers came and said, uh, your mom says God wants you in the main service tonight. You're going to the main service. Same night that God called me. She had no idea that this was going on between me and the Lord. And I got angry. I said, well, I'm not going. So my mom told that lady, tell him if he doesn't come, he's getting a spanking. <laughs> so I remember coming out and it was, there was three rows. Mom always sat and there was a pole here and she'd sit right there. And I was arguing with God. And I said, I know what you want, and I don't want to be. And my mom heard me, and she goes, what are you talking about? Who are you talking to? God. Well, what are you talking about? He wants me to be a pastor, and I don't want to be a pastor. She goes, well, that's between you and God, but you're staying in the main service. I said, fine. Well, I'm not sitting with you. <laughs> so I went up to the front chair, and I sat. Rebellious little attitude. Finally, I went back and I sat with my mom and Pastor Tom's message for that night was, are you going against God's call and will for your life? It's not about you, it's about other people. Yeah. You need to get down here and repent. And I came forward and I remember a guy grabbed me by the hand and asked me how old I was. I said, I'm eight years old. And I remember going down and repenting. And then I forgot about it. And I could tell you the story of how God opened up the doors when I was in the military and how he directed my life. How the Berean School, the Bible classes were set up just like my career development classes in the Air Force that we had to take CDCs. When God calls you, He calls you. Yeah. Now, not everybody has the same calling as I do. But when you know that you know that you know, you follow through with it. Amen. You go through that door. So that brings me to the scripture I read earlier, Ephesians 4.11. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Now, why did he give those to the church? It says to build up the body of believers, to equip the saints is what that says. Our job, we're, we're a team. The pastor's not just the guy up on stage. And we have a celebrity problem in America. We set people up on pedestals. We're, this job is no more important than your job. It's all the same. God's not a respecter of persons. So what you do behind the scenes for God is just as important as the person that stands up on the pulpit. Amen. It's a team thing. We're part of the body of Christ. And it says the things that, are, that aren't visible are actually taken care of more. So when you're called to be a pastor, you're called. When you're called to be a teacher, you're called. The thing is, is don't run from that calling. Don't be like Jonah. But do what God's asked you to do. Your life will be miserable if you run from him. Right. Look at this. Romans eleven twenty nine. 29. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. That means without repentance. That means God doesn't change his mind. When he gifts each one of us, he doesn't take it back. Now, I'll be honest with you, there are times I go, why did I ever get <laughs> Lord, I'm, I'm going to be honest, there's times it's rough as a pastor, right? But what job doesn't have difficulties? So that brings us to the next one. James now deals with the taming of the tongue. Let's go back to James. 
So he deals with this issue. People wanted to be pastors. They wanted to be teachers in the church. He reminds them of a warning, and now he's going to deal with the tongue. James 3.2, it's in your Bibles, or you can look up on the screen. It says, Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we can control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every way, every other way. I use the New Living Translation here because I like the way it, 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 it describes it. I, I use the old NIV. Not a big fan of the new NIV, but I use the old NIV. But this is the New Living Translation. I like what it says. Look at it. It says, Indeed, if we all make mistakes. How many of us make mistakes? Yeah. For if we could control our tongues... We would be perfect and could also control ourselves in any other way, in every other way. So listen to what David Gusick says about this. He says, we all stumble. James included himself among those who stumble. Yet he did not excuse his or our stumbling. We know that we all stumble, but we should all press on to a better walk with the Lord, marked by less stumbling. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man. James provided a way to measure spiritual maturity for teachers and for all Christians. Jesus demonstrated in Matthew 12, verses 34 through 37, that words are a revelation of the inner character. To, to not stumble in words shows true spiritual maturity. This is especially relevant to teachers who have so much more opportunity to sin with their tongue. And then finally, look what he says here. We stumble in word about ourselves with our boasting, exaggerations, selective reporting. We stumble in word about others with our criticism, gossip, slander, cruelty, two-facedness, and anger. Or with flattery and insincere words meant to gain favor. I share all what he says because that's a, that's a mouthful. We all do that, don't we? So a, a person that's maturing in their walk with God learns to control this little thing here. And if you're a talker, you have to work a little bit harder at controlling your tongue. If you're quiet, which is great. My wife's more of an introvert. She's quiet. When she says something, it means a lot. There's a lot of times I, I have a lot of feel-in words. I'm picking on myself tonight because that's just who I am. That's my personality. That's why James says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become what? Angry. He's, he's following up with it. Look what the tongue does. Verses 3 through 6. The tongue makes great boasts and is a fire that can consume. Look at verse 3. When we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. I, I'm not, I, I love horses. I always wanted to be a cowboy. But I didn't grow up that way. And the opportunities I had in Wyoming, I just never had them. And then I've shared with you, the first time I had a I've been around some cows. I've done some branding. But the first time I had a cow chase after me, it changed my whole thinking on it. I said, I'll just stick to watching TV. <laughs> but you can turn an animal so easily with the reins. Right. Now, I don't know a lot about horses, so I'm sure that sometimes you can get a bunkin' bronco or something, right, that's a little stubborn. But it's true. Verse 4, or take ships for an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. In fact, a cruise ship just a few years ago was stranded out in the ocean because its rudder broke. Right. That little rudder controls the whole ship. Yeah. 
I like the illustrations he gives. Then he goes on to say this, verse 5, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and itself is set on fire by hell. Those are some very strong words by James. What he's saying is this tongue can ruin your life. This tongue can ruin other people's lives. I've got to ask myself, not you, myself, this question. How many times has this tongue hurt somebody? You know, words will stick with you most of your life. If you say something to tear somebody down, they won't forget that. How many of you can remember something spoken over you as a child? I still remember things. I remember some of the things spoken over me. That's how powerful the tongue is. And we need to take it seriously. I think sometimes we overlook this. We look at this and say, ah, oh, it's just James. No, this, this is how strife in the church is built. This, this is how problems in your life and your family cause. Is we, and I've done this. I'm sure some of you have done this, right? We've all made the mistake. And it's hard sometimes. And, and that's why he says, no man can tame the tongue. And we're going to look at that in a minute. I'm going to reiterate what he says. No man or woman can tame the tongue. You can't do it. I'm not going to say any more because we're coming up to it. That's one of those teasers. You know, they do that on TV. They give you these teasers. So let's go on. How are we saved? With our tongues. Let's read it. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So it is with your mouth and your heart, but your mouth has something to do with it, right? I've shared with you last week how important the tongue is. So you and I are saved with our tongues. I know that there are some exceptions, but most of us, it's with the confession of our mouth. How are we condemned? How are we condemned? With our tongues. Look what Jesus says. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be what? Condemned. Man, those are red letters there. I didn't do that. The, the, the program did that. I tried, I tried to, and I'm like, well, you know, let's just leave it as red letters so you, then, you know that it's Jesus saying it. That he takes our words very seriously. So by your words you will be acquitted, and by your wor- words you will be condemned. How are spiritual mountains moved in our lives? With your tongue. Look at this. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. I'm going to go back to that scripture. I like my translation of it. I like the King James Version. It says, it shall come to pass. So what does he say? He says, speak to this mountain. He's speaking of spiritual mountains in our life. Right? Right? God can move spiritual mountains. Now, he doesn't mean he always does it, but God can give you the ability and the power to speak to that mountain and it be removed in your life. Right. How many of you have been in a service before where the pastor says, stand up and speak to your mountain? It can happen. Yeah. 
Now, sometimes mountains don't move because God's working something in our life. But there's other times he wants you to stand in faith and speak to that mountain. Be removed. How do you rebuke the enemy? You speak to it, right? My wife said she heard a door open up today while she was at the house. She's in bed, you know, her knee's still swollen. And she said, I swear I heard a door open up. So she, you know, like any lady, I mean, I would have done the same thing. Get me a baseball bat, you know, and getting ready for whoever's in there. And she, she goes on her crutches and she's looking around, but nobody was in there. And I, and I got to thinking when she told me when I got home from church today, I said, I'm, I think it's about time we need to do some spiritual warfare in the house and do some, uh, do some uh, uh, anointing of the house. So when that happens, it's time to do some warfare. Yeah. But how do you move them? You speak to it, right? There's something about the tongue. I'm trying to make an emphasis here. Remember the scripture we looked at last week, last Wednesday. How can we spiritually be prosperous and successful in this life? With our tongue. Remember this scripture? This book of the law shall not depart from your what? Your mouth. But you shall meditate on it. Again, meditate means to murmur out loud, means to ponder, to think about. You've heard me speak about this with the cow. Remember, it's regurgitation. Meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. There's something about the tongue. Your tongue has a lot of power in it. Now that brings me to the next thing. No man can tame the tongue. James makes a distinction between animals and our tongues. Go with me real quick to verses 7 and 8. Look what he says. All kinds of animals, birds and reptiles and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. How many of you guys have been deadly or have been have received deadly poison from somebody before? You know, they say something and you find out later and it hurts your feelings. Yeah. Right? Somebody speaks something over you. Well, I didn't mean it, or I can't believe they said that about me, you know. And, and before you know it, it's like deadly poison. It gets into you, you know. It's kind of, you know, it's like the wicked witch of the West, or I, I don't know, which is the one that, you know, she's got the apples, that Snow White, you know. And, and, or is that Sleeping Beauty? I mean, I don't know all those things. But my daughters can name them all, and I always get them up, and they always correct me on which ones they are, the old cartoons. So what he's saying there is no man can tame the tongue. There is, no, there is an emphasis on no man but God. Do you see that? We can't tame the tongue, but God can. God can tame our tongue. Look at this. The human spirit has incredible capacity for sacrifice and self-control. Sometimes we hear a desperate survival story of someone who cuts off their hand or, or their, their own leg to get free from a tree that has fallen on them. And then they make it to a hospital for medical treatment. Yet that same man can't tame the tongue perfectly. No man can tame the tongue. Nevertheless, the tongue can be brought under the power and control of the Holy Spirit. We might say that only God himself is mightier than the human tongue. What that means is subjecting yourself to the Holy Spirit. In fact, this is not in our notes tonight. Go with me real quick to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. I was... Speaking with some young people this afternoon and, and talking about the flesh and how the spirit is made perfect, but your flesh is not redeemed. Right. Your tongue is part of that flesh. Yeah. And so if you feed one, it's going to get stronger. If you feed the other, it's going to get stronger. Right. If you feed your spirit, it's going to 
be stronger and in control of the flesh. But if you feed the flesh, it's going to be stronger than the power of your spirit. Does that make sense tonight? So look what he says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Desires. You want to say something, but you know you shouldn't, but you do it anyways. You ever done that? And you tell yourself, shut up, don't say anything. Before you know it, hey, guess what? Guess what happened here? Did you see this? I've done it. And then later on, it's like a trap. It gets you. Verse 17. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit. And the spirit, what is contrary to the sinful nature, they are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Look at verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. What he's saying is walking in the Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit. One time, about, about a year ago, we were driving. I was driving and was struggling. And Anybody dealt with a teenager? And, and you're dealing with your teenage child, and there's some battles going on, and you're butting heads, and... I remember sitting there here and people say, just wait till they become a teenager. Oh, it'll be fine. And then you get there and you're going, well, maybe they were right. And I said, Lord, how am I going to handle this? And the Lord said, pray in the Spirit. Start your day off being filled with the Holy Spirit. So I get in the truck and I'm going home and I turn on the radio. And right then, Alan Jackson was preaching on being filled with the Holy Spirit to control the flesh. That's how God confirms things to you. So I try to start my day by saying, God, fill me with the Spirit. Even if I make mistakes, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. The human spirit cannot be controlled unless God controls it. I want to go on. He shares the scripture, the same scripture I said. I say then walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then look at this. This is what Poole says. The poison of the tongue is no less deadly. It murders men's reputations by the slanders it utters. Their souls by the lusts and the passions it stirs up in them. And many times their bodies too by the contentions and quarrels it rises against men. So Jesus says we are not to be murderers. But if you say, tell your brother he's a fool, you're in the dangers of what? Of hell. So we got to be really careful. Uh, You know, and we're all in the same boat, right? So I'm preaching to me tonight. You know, I I, I get this. This is is something we all have to take, and it's a somber thought. But God wouldn't have put it in his word unless it was that serious. So it's it's a good reminder to watch what we say. Let's go back to James here. We're almost done. James chapter 3, look what he says here. In verses 9 and 10, actually verses 9 through 12, he says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Have you ever done that? Gone to church, praise the Lord, worship the Lord, and then you leave church 
and you start gossiping or you say something or somebody makes you mad. Family member upsets you. And you say something you shouldn't say. And then later on you're like, I hope nobody finds out about that. And if you do that, you know you've done wrong. Right? right? right. Have you ever done that in your phone? You're talking to somebody or about somebody else and you look on your phone real quick and make sure that it doesn't accidentally call them? Come on, I'm not the only one that's done that. I'm, I'm just being honest with you. I'm being, I, I'm being transparent. If you do that, then that should tell you that you're doing what? Something that's wrong. Spring and salt water cannot come from the same source. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's image. Out of the same mouth come praising, cursing. My brothers, this should not be. What is James really saying here? He says you will recognize them by their fruits. He will, you will recognize them by your fruits. Verse 11, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grape, grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Now, that's not saying that you're not saved. It can be, but even as a believer, what he's saying there is we need to clean up what's coming out of us. Yeah. I hope you guys are all getting this tonight. Oh, yeah. Okay. James is saying that our fruits will bear, bear let, me, let me put it this way, what we say will show the fruits that we're bearing. Does that make sense? Go with me real quick to Matthew chapter 7 in your Bibles. Matthew chapter 7. Look with me in verses 15 through 20. Jesus deals with this very thing that James is even mentioning. Matthew chapter 7. Verses 15 through 20, it says, watch out for false prophets. Now, Jesus is dealing with the, those that uh, come in, and he's dealing with the religious leaders. He's saying, hey, look, they look like they're religious. They look like they're in. They're, they're the leaders you're supposed to. Uh, don't follow them. Look out for these false prophets. In fact, in the last days, he says there's going to be what? Many false prophets. He says, watch out for false prophets, for they, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? What did James just say? Same thing almost, right? He used a couple different things, olive, olive tree. Verse 17, likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus they will Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So Jesus is talking about fruits. Let's go to Matthew chapter 12. Put me in verses 33 through 37. Again, he's reiterating the same thing here. He says, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. Look, look what he says, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. I like that. How many of you guys want to produce good fruit? 
I do. So you can make a tree good, right? Jesus comes into your life, you can have good fruit produced and coming out of your life. Then he says, or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the what speaks? The the mouth. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. So out of the abundance of the, out of the, abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I guess when James is speaking of this, what is coming out of your mouth? What's coming out of my mouth? What is coming out of our mouths? And we need to check that. Lord, change my heart. See if there's any wicked way in me. And, and so again, he's not saying, and, and, and i got to be careful about this. I believe that you can be saved and you can still have some bad fruit come out. You can have rotten fruit. And that's when Jesus says, comes in, and I believe he begins to prune and cut away and deal with it so that something nice will come out. I would rather have some four or five beautiful roses than a big rose bush with all these roses that look ugly. And I've had that before. Gone in, I've trimmed out a rose bush, and, and it had all these flowers, but man, they just weren't pretty looking. They didn't smell good, so I went, I'm going to, and I have, I have no idea how to prune. I just went chopping away, and rose bushes, they're a hardy plant. They're tough, you know, and I, I couldn't believe it. My wife's like, what are you doing? You're cutting my rose bush. I said, well, look how ugly these roses are, so I went, I cut it all the way down, and when it grew the next year, it didn't grow as many roses, but the ones that it did grow, they smelled nice. They were bright, pretty red. And so that's what God does with us, even when it comes to our language. And sometimes we have to learn hard lessons. Yeah. I, I've, I've said some things and it came back to me. And then I got to eat my own words. Yeah. You know, so it's a reminder all of us as believers in Christ. What's coming out of us? Is it salt water or is it spring water? Which one would you rather drink? Spring water. Let's pray. Father, this is a reminder for myself and for all of us. Lord, as I stand up here, I know that scripture says that I will be judged more strictly. Father, I just ask as I prayed this before we started this service tonight. Lord, your word is true. And it's there to correct and rebuke and train us for righteousness because it's God-breathed. Father, would you help all of us? We can't tame our tongue, but you can. You can help us, Lord. Help us to say things that are for building up, not tearing down. You said not to let any unwholesome talk come from our mouths. Forgive us, Lord. If we've even done it today, forgive us. We repent of it. We turn from it. We want to say those things that honor you. Lord, I just pray for every person in here, including myself tonight, as we walk out these doors, let your word ring in our minds and let us not just be listeners or hearers of the word, but help us to be doers of it by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.
Hey, thank you for coming here tonight. Love you guys. Bless you. We're going to be looking at chapter 4 next week, which deals with envy and strife within the church. And uh, it has a lot to do with not getting what you want. So, and if I see less people here next week, <laughs> I'll know you're scared of that message. I just had to throw that out just to be honoring. So, love you guys. If you need prayer, I'm here to pray with you. <laughs> if, if the preacher.